Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any of you who are a first-time listener. We're happy to have you aboard. For those of you who have been here from the start, you know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome in to another Bastards Roundtable episode. We'll be talking some Red Sox topics. We'll also be talking some league-wide stuff as well. Joining me on the show, uh, the usual midweek crew is back. So Micah Storms and Terry Cushman are joining me on the show. Guys, how we doing? Doing excellent. Awesome. Micah, how's it going? Terrific, terrific. Um, I'm ready to go. Um, yeah, let's get into it. This is going to be an interesting conversation because I feel like there's a lot of different opinions to go to go with. So, Yeah, yeah. We've got a, a very pitching-centric roundtable for you guys tonight. Uh, so it's going to be pretty interesting. We're going to start with a Red Sox pitching topic. Um, and it revolves around James Paxton. Uh, James Paxton, who... We'll be making his start tonight. Um, he's actually coming back, starting against the Cardinals. Um, and Paxton is, you know, a little bit of a wild card. We don't know how much we're going to get out of him because this is a guy that's been here for two years and we've barely seen him pitch at all. Um, I'm not even sure if there is an over-under on James Paxton's starts. But uh, I wouldn't feel confident about taking the over on any number, whatever it's set at. I don't know about you guys. Speaking of over and unders, attention, Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 Instantly added to your account and bonus bets, win or lose. All you have to do is use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with the code BASTARDS and place that first bet. This is for new customers only, 21 plus, physically present in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. I wish I had Charlie's voice. But let's get back into it, Jason. Most of us do, yeah. Um, but whatever you do, do not use those bets on James Paxton. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the basic point. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Right now, the Red Sox have a six-man rotation with James Paxton coming back and joining the fold here. Um, and not to mention they've got Garrett Whitlock you know, making a rehab start pretty soon. So they're going to have seven starting pitchers in the mix here. And let's face it, that's not going to happen you know teams don't do six seven man rotations it's not viable for a full season so something's got to give and obviously a lot of it will depend on 
how James Paxton performs against the Cardinals, how, you know, does he even make it through the start, stuff like that. But there's a lot of different options that the Red Sox can use here because there are guys they can send down. There are guys they can move to the bullpen. So a lot of different machinations could take place here. So, Micah, let's start with you. Like with, with Paxton coming back and with the, the six-man rotation as it is now, including a couple of guys waiting in the wings, what do you think the Red Sox are going to do? Well, the rotation as we see it currently, it is it doesn't have a pitcher with an ERA under five. So there's a lot of opportunity if a pitcher decides to have some quality starts consecutively, they can easily earn their spot in the rotation. With Paxton, I feel this is going to be the front office saying we've invested a lot of money in this guy that if he is healthy, he's going to get a pretty lengthy leash. I could totally see um, some poor starts and they stick with him, hoping that he can find it and turn it around because I do think the upside of James Paxton is significantly higher than say Nick Pavetta. So I, I definitely think they're going to try to find um, the 20, we probably have to go back to almost 2018, James Paxton. Um, I think it's been that long, but I think they're going to try to find lightning in a bottle. And if they can, you're looking at probably a number two, three starter in the rotation. I, I don't think he has ace potential, um, but I mean, they've been saying how good the fastball is mid nineties. That's all I've heard on Twitter. Um, so I think as long as he's healthy, which I mean, that is a major, major question mark. Um, does he make it out of start number one? We could bet. We could probably make a bet on that. Um, but I think they're going to ride Paxton and give him as many opportunities as they can before it says they go, we gotta, we gotta pull the plug because it's so bad. Sorry, what do you think? My expectations are pretty low on James Paxton. Uh, he's never pitched more than 160 innings in a season. That was 2018. He pitched 150 uh, the following season uh, for the Yankees. Plus, well, he, he did have some postseason uh, innings uh, following that. But not a guy who could stay healthy in his 20s. And now that he's in his mid-30s, I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm just not optimistic that he is going to uh, stay healthy. In the past, I, I mean, his year-in and year-out numbers are, are pretty good, um, other than obviously the one short start uh, to 2020. Uh, you know, he's been a sub-four ERA guy his whole career. His career ERA is 3.59, but he's battled mechanical issues uh, at times, uh, much like a guy like Nick Pavetta has. Clay Buckholtz was a guy who would just go on these brilliant runs and then get shelled for a few games and just lose his mechanics. And Pavetta's been, you know, prone to that. And his two busiest seasons, uh, 2018 2019 gave up 23 home runs in each of those seasons so he is kind of prone to the long ball 
I'm not sure how pitching at Fenway Park uh, will suit him either. I know I can look that up on baseball reference, but uh, I won't for now. But I'm just, do I think he's going to be an upgrade over the the guy Chris Sales been against non-AL East teams? Uh, I don't think he'll be an upgrade. I think he and Kluber could essentially be a push. Uh, I'll actually put Pavetta in that category as well. Uh, but I certainly would want Bayo starting over Paxton. I'd certainly want Houck starting over Paxton. We don't know what Garrett Whitlock is yet. <laughs> he just can't stay healthy long enough for us to figure that out. But I just, I'm uncomfortable taking away anybody else's job in the rotation to to give it to Paxton right now. I just, I don't want to do it. And I tweeted out yesterday, let me pull it up. There's not a lot of help coming either way. I mean, Paxton really is it. You got Brandon Walter, 5.16 ERA, a one and a half whip. Brian Mata, a similar ERA. His whip is over two because he's a walk machine. And he's on the injured list as of today with shoulder inflammation. Chris Murphy is just getting utterly destroyed in Worcester right now. An ERA just under eight with a whip over two. I mean, there's no help coming. And Paxton's it, but he just doesn't have the record of health um, to to give me any confidence that he's still going to be here, uh, you know, in late June. And will the innings be quality? I just signing these guys. That's that's the hallmark of of Hein Bloom's tenure. Sign an injured guy and hope for the best. And he hasn't looked good. He hasn't even looked good in in Worcester right now. He had five walks in his last start. Only gave up two earned runs. So his opponents didn't capitalize on him. They brought him out of the bullpen one game, and he didn't even. Rec- he didn't even go a full inning, gave up seven runs, <laughs> just got torched right away. I just, I'm just not confident in him. And what's, here's the question for you guys. If he does give up seven or eight tomorrow, what's the narrative at that point? Oh, it's easy. But the narrative is that, well, it's his first, his first start back. And you have to remember, it's it's been a couple of years since he's really, you know, been on a mound for a major league game. So Give him time. It's still May. It's still early. Don't hit the panic button. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to be all of that all over again. That will absolutely be the narrative. Anything, Micah? I feel like the the similar result to what we saw with Chris Sale. I mean, they essentially – Chris Sale missed three years almost, and James Paxton has missed almost three years. Um, so I feel like the expectation, you know, sale, it's kind of been a roller coaster and I could totally see Paxton being a roller coaster against a, um, a less, a less dominant lineup. Maybe he has some success, but against a really good offense, I got to see it. I really do. I, I, I just, I don't even know if he's going to be healthy in one start. Like it, he he hurt his hamstring in spring training, the shoulder, the lat muscle. I just I have to see it to believe it. I mean, I I, I think Sale 
because he was here in Boston and had success, I think fans, some fans were more optimistic and more willing to give him a longer leash. But Paxton has done nothing in Boston. So I don't think he's going to get the same grace as Sale got, you know, and is still kind of getting with the fan base. I think Paxton, you know, one start, I can see fans going, well, it is one start. But after that, he better have a really good second start because fans are going to be, this is what we paid all of last year and now this year. And, you know, it's another six ERA guy. I don't think the fans are going to be uh, very forgiving if that's what ends up happening. And, and I certainly understand why so many fans are almost trying to will it into existence for, for Paxson to stay healthy and be a contributing member because – if you get 2019 James Paxton joining this rotation, of course that's a huge bonus. Like, that would be great. That was his last really good year before the COVID year, and then injuries really started catching up with him. But how can you possibly trust that at this point? It, the amount of injuries this guy's had, and, you know, for pitching so little, and and it just it feels like there's so much spin going on with him between – People on Twitter and, you know, Nesson, like that last rehab start where he walked five guys, you know, Tom Karen was like, oh, he's coming off a really strong start. Was it a really strong start? That doesn't look like a strong start to me. That looks like you just trying to push the narrative that, oh, no, he, he's, he's good. Yeah, he's going to be great. And I've heard people on Twitter saying, well, he's touching, you know, 96, 97. Uh, okay, great. He's still walking guys. He's still getting blown up in AAA. I mean... How is that supposed to make anyone feel good? So I just, it, you know, Terry, you mentioned the other guys like Brandon Walter and Chris Murphy who are getting lit up. That's essentially who we're getting back. That's who you're you're starting on Friday is a guy who's getting torched in AAA. But because he's James Paxton and because he at one point with the Mariners and the Yankees was good, everyone's just expecting this to be, you know, automatically awesome. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I, you know, I'm with Micah. I need to see it. I need to see it for at least, you know, six, seven starts before I actually believe it. And let's see if he even gets to that point. Because he could go out there on Friday, throw 10 pitches, and then all of a sudden he's waving the trainers in because, you know, ah, my elbow or ah, my shoulder or ah, my knee or whatever it's going to be. So I just, I think they're putting a little, you know, few too many eggs in the James Paxton bas basket. And I could just see it completely blowing up, not working out at all. You know, what do you do with him at that point? You stick him in the bullpen. I mean, I'd, that doesn't seem viable to me either. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I did look up those Fenway numbers, pretty limited sample. He's only started twice at Fenway, but he's got an ERA close to six <laughs> in those two starts. Um, I, I'm assuming that those were both when he was with the Yankees, so I guess we touched him up pretty good. But uh, limited sample size, to say the least. So, um, But again, just another thing to throw in there. It's like, well, that's not great either if he can't pitch at Fenway. So I don't know. It's, you know, a lot, lot of question marks around Paxton. So, so who's it going to be, though? Like, if next week we have to get down to a five-man rotation, I mean, as much as I want Hauk to stay in, in the rotation, I think he's a guy or it's Pavetta. I don't see anybody else coming out. 
And Pavetta, for what it's worth, and maybe this isn't great, but and the Red Sox did win three out of his seven starts. So he's giving us a chance to win, you know, regardless of how ugly he might be here and there. But yeah, who, I, who gets it? Who gets a spot? I, I mean, you know my feeling on Tanner Houck. I'm not 100% sold on him as a starter. Um, it would not crush me to see him be the odd man out, to see him go to the bullpen, because him and Whitlock I put in the same category. Yeah, they could be starters. You know, yes, they'll give you a good performance every now and then. But, man, I feel so much more confident in those guys if they're in the bullpen. I just think that's where they belong. I think they're better suited for that role. So I would personally be okay if it was Hauk. I know it's it would be a little bit unfair because he's been one of your better starters for the most part so far this year. So it would it would feel like a little bit of a slap in the face to him. But um, and le- unless you're willing to DFA Paxton and just you know blow his ass out of here, which I don't think they're willing to do. So for me, it would be Hauk, and then. You know, if if Hauk is absolutely crushing it and you just feel the need to put him back in the rotation, then Pavetta. But I would start with Hauk. Uh, Micah, what do you think? I think Sale, Kluber, and Paxton are locks right now. As long as Paxton is healthy, I think those are the three that you could say these are definites. Um, and then I think it comes down to the last two spots. I think Bayo after that, start against Atlanta. I don't know how he's not part of that group. I mean, the stuff alone is elite. Um, How do you justify after shutting down one of the best offenses in the league saying, okay, go pitch to triple a because we're going to have Nick Pavetta pitch, you know? And I mean, again, there's no comparison between those two and stuff and giving you a chance to win. I'll take Bayo every day of the week in that. Um, And then it's how Pavetta in my opinion. And, Although I think Hauk's been the probably the most consistent starter on this roster so far, um, the numbers in terms of first time through the order and second time through the order are super concerning. Um, they just when they have a chance to see that that pitch mix for the second time, the hitters do make adjustments. I love Hauk in the bullpen. I think he could be another multi inning reliever. Um, and then I think when Whitlock does come back. It sounds like they want to make him a starter, but I just – and I was on Team Whitlock for starter, but I, I think the health is a concern. And I think if you put Whitlock, Whitlock and Hauk in the pen, I think you go from having a really good pen to is this the best bullpen in baseball when you add those two. And I, as much as I don't know if I want to see Pavetta consistently start games, he does – as Terry said, he does kind of give them a chance to win. You know you're going to get innings from him, and I don't know if that's a good enough reason to make him a starter. Um, but I think over the course of 162, Pavetta in the rotation with Hauk and Whitlock trying to keep them healthy, that might be the best route for this roster, at least in May. And then I'm convinced Whitlock's going in. I don't think they want to mess with that elbow. Uh, regardless of what the rhetoric is right now. And then even if they do want to put him in the rotation now, uh, what's the, what's the plan? A seven man rotation? (laughs) Like, how do you, 
How do you, you can't, there's just not enough room and you can't, you can't DFA anybody right now, really, because I just gave you the, the triple A options that would come up. Like everybody in this rotation, whether we like them or not, is better than anything we have in Worcester. So you, you don't have the luxury of, uh, of doing that, but, but if Whitlock and Houck go into the bullpen, bye-bye Brazier. I think we finally get our wish there. There's just not a spot for him, finally. Uh, it would keep Ort you know, down in Worcester. Uh, I don't know of a Bernardino guy. I don't have the whole bullpen up in front of me. Maybe Bernardino gets either optioned or DFA'd. I don't know what his situation is. Hopefully just optioned because he's he's been pretty good for us uh, in a small sample size, but but man, you got Hauk, Whitlock, Chris Martin, um, John Schreiber, Josh Winkowski. It's just, and then of course Jansen. Uh, man, how is that not the best bullpen in the sport? Red Sox have the number eighth ranked bullpen right now, but that's because of Brazier and Ort just getting torched. You know, it's our. If there was a stat for your seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guys, I'd be willing to bet we're probably the best bullpen in Major League Baseball right now, if not second or third, absolute worst case. So, um, but some tough decisions have to get made, and uh, even if Paxton looks okay, there's no guarantees with his health. He's still the guy that brings the most liabilities for me. So. I'm just kind of hoping he's got a short leash. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope that they're not overly stubborn with Paxton. If, you know, after five or six starts, if he's still even there, um, if he's got an ERA, you know, north of five, close to six, something like that, you know, make the right decision. Don't, don't be too stubborn about it. But unfortunately, I think that uh, Micah might be correct that uh, even if he's just serviceable, he's a lock for that rotation because the organization wants it. So um, might be stuck with him either way. Let's just hope that it works out for the best. Um, so from old pitchers, we're going to move on to some young pitchers um, down south with the Miami Marlins. So the Marlins are calling up Yuri Perez, who will make his debut, I, I think, pretty soon. I think this weekend maybe. Um he is 20 years old. He's the youngest pitcher ever to debut for the Marlins, uh, younger than Jose Fernandez was when he debuted. Um, and this kid is an absolute phenom, um, was absolutely tearing it up in the minors, one of their top prospects. Um, Marlins just continue to churn out good pitching prospects left and right. And now it's sort of they've got a little bit of a similar thing where they have a lot of pitching over there in Miami, but they're still not really going anywhere. So you kind of look at that. Red Sox have a lot of old guys in their rotation, like we just highlighted. Sale, Kluber, Paxton, they're all up there. <clears throat> Pavetta's, you know, in his 30s now, and his best days seem behind him. Brian Bayo's your one promising young pitcher that's hopefully still in your rotation going forward, but you, you don't have anyone else in the farm system coming up, you know, we, we highlighted a few guys that they're not doing well. Uh, Red Sox pitching program is not churning out any young pitching. So it begs the question, should the Marlins and the Red Sox pick up the phone 
and have a conversation about uh, maybe one of the Marlins' young pitchers and maybe the Red Sox have something they can give in return for that. Um, so, Micah, what you know? What what would your approach be if you were the Red Sox? Which guy would you target? What kind of package might that look like? Um, and is it realistic that this could happen? So I do fall down these rabbit holes sometimes, and this is one that I've recently fallen down. Um, there was a lot of discussion between the, the Marlins and Red Sox in the offseason, some speculation. Uh, Pablo Lopez was the pitcher that the Marlins were clearly, you know, throwing out there as, as someone who was available. The Twins, you know, they, they eventually were the, the, P, the, the team that, you know, linked together and they, they made a deal. Uh, Pablo Lopez has been really good with Minnesota, but the Marlins are still left with so many options. Um, Sandy Alcantara obviously is their ace. I think he's pretty much untouchable. Um, but then they have Edward, Edward Cabrera. Um, he's he's an intriguing arm. Um, I'll get back to him in a second. They have Braxton Garrett. They have Jesus Lazardo, who was a, a former um, 12th overall prospect, according to MLB.com. He looks like he's really turned the corner this season. Um, and then they have, obviously, Yuri Perez, 10th-ranked prospect. And then they have a, a list of, of starters who are injured. Uh, Max Mayer, he's a 28th-ranked prospect. Trevor Rogers had a great 2021 season. And then so they still have Sixto, Chance, uh, Sixto Sanchez. Remember him from Philly? Um, he was in a, a deal. He was the 15th overall pros, prospect back in the day. So they have all of these guys. Um, now, some of them are hurt. But the main problem with the Marlins has been they can't score. They can hold you to you know, two, three runs, but they lose two to one, three to two games all of the time. So I, I personally think because the Red Sox system has um, more depth in terms of positional prospects instead of pitching prospects, I think there's a great um, connection that they could form. Uh, the guy I would target would be Edward Cabrera. Um, he's 25 years old, so he has a lot of team control. Um, only has 29 games in the big leagues. Um, the numbers are not necessarily great. He currently has a 5.35 ERA, but you know how ERA is in the beginning of the season. Not a lot of starts. One bad start can really um, elevate that and really uh, make it look like you're having a bad season. Um, his last couple starts, though, have been really intriguing. He um, Against the Cubs, he went five innings and struck out 12. And against uh, the Cubs again, he went five innings and struck out eight. So I think when we're talking about the Marlins, you're looking at acquiring a pitcher who is kind of like Bayo. He's not a finished product, but they have a really high ceiling. I don't think there's a lot of pitchers on the Red Sox um, current roster or in their um, farm system where you go the upside is a number three, number two starter. I just don't think that other than Bayo. And I think an Edward Cabrera could really um, – be intriguing and potentially, you know, if you, if you develop him correctly, I mean, I I'm fine with Edward Cabrera and Brian Bayo for the next, you know, four or five years kind of leading the rotation. Um, I, that sounds intriguing to me. Um, I'll let Terry talk about a potential package because I know he has some thoughts. Um, but I, I definitely think the Marlins are, it seems like those are two teams that could easily help each other out and, and help each other, one has a strength, one has a weakness. Let's let's work it together. 
So just looking at Cabrera's game logs right now, they haven't really been terrible. I mean, his worst start was against the Braves of all teams. And, uh, you know, Nick Pavetta can tell us about the Braves. Um, He gave up four earned runs to them over four and a third. Every start after that, he's given up three or less. And actually, in five out of the seven starts, he's given up two earned runs or less. So, I mean, the walks have been a problem. Uh, you know, he was, I guess actually his first start was pretty ugly. Uh, despite only giving up two earned runs, he did walk six. I'm actually impressed he only gave up two earned runs. Next start, gave up seven walks. Uh, also just two earned runs, but he only pitched two and two-thirds. So, um that seems to be his big problem right now is, you know, is allowing free passes. And I don't know if that's a command thing. Obviously I I don't watch a ton of Marlins games, but um, he was the intriguing guy to me over the winter. Um, I know Lopez was talked about and uh, there were a lot of Red Sox fans that were open to it. I might've been, but I didn't want to give up a Casas type guy to get him. You know, I didn't think Lopez was going to, you know, be that uh, impactful for us. But here's my question to you guys. What are you willing to give up? I mean, suddenly a guy like Duran might have some trade value. And with the lack of outfield depth, that's painful to me to give up a promising outfielder. Um, Tristan Casas was the guy they wanted. You, you saw that name pop up the most over the winter. Um, I, maybe I'm a little bit more open to dealing him. And I think beyond that, you're giving up a top five prospect. You're giving up a Duran or a Casas and a top five prospect to get a guy like Cabrera, who is, uh, not a free agent until, excuse me, 2029. So tons of control, you know, five years beyond this. And um, I just don't know. So Jason, you haven't given a take yet. Where where are you at? Yeah, that exact point is why I'm iffy on going after Cabrera as much as I would love Edward Cabrera. But those kinds of packages scare me a little bit. and, you know, I know Costas has had his struggles, um, you know, seems to be slowly but surely turning it around. But the fact that you'd have to give up someone like that, plus, you know, someone out of your top 10, um, potentially you'd have to potentially give up three or four players to get Edward Cabrera. That's a lot. Um, and, you know, we, we've complained in years past about the farm system being depleted and not having young talent come up, well, now you have a lot of young talent down there. So, you know, it's sort of like um, winning the lottery a little bit. Yeah, congrats. You have, you know, a million dollars now. Don't go out and buy a car that costs $950,000 because (laughs) you still need to save some of it. Um, So that's why, like, I would rather go after one of the pitchers that's lower down on their tier system they being the marlins i would target like a braxton garrett or trevor rogers um i i would stay clear of sixto sanchez because you know that would make me a hypocrite if i'm not happy with james paxton who hasn't pitched in three years i'm not about to trade 
prospects for a guy who hasn't pitched in three years either. Um, that guy, and he he's had shoulder problems too. It hasn't just been, you know, a hammy thing here and there. He's, I don't know if that guy's ever going to be right again. Um, but yes, yeah, so, you know, Braxton Garrett or Trevor Rogers, I would go after because I think you wouldn't have to give up as much. You'd still have to give up a package of prospects, but instead of highlighting it with Tristan Costas um, or Jaron Duran, you could highlight it with, I don't know, Sedani Raffaella, um, you know, or something like that. Or maybe, you know, Nick York, I don't know what his future is. I know that he's an infielder who can move around, but your infield is pretty set for a little bit. And you're going to have Marcelo Mayer playing shortstop at some point. So, Maybe you trade away Nick York. He's kind of had an up and down thing going anyway. Now he's been better this year, which they're really excited about, but that's sort of why you sell high on him. You know, you sell high on a guy like Nick York and then you throw in some extra pieces after that and you get Garrett or you get Trevor Rogers. I would feel more comfortable doing that than, you know, picking guys out of my top five or top 10 to go get Edward Cabrera as great as he may be. And, you know, he might be the next Sandy Alcantara over there, you know, if he really gets his stuff right. But I just I don't love the fact that we do finally have this nice farm system of offensive players and then giving away three of our best right away for a pitcher who, yeah, could have a very good career or could turn into Sixto Sanchez. You know, we don't know. So you do have to be a little bit careful. the, The idea of having a young controllable pitcher is great, but you do have to be a little bit careful not to give up too much of the farm when, you know, Hey, we've talked about it, at least for right now, you already have seven starting pitchers on your stupid roster. Like, you know, so it's, you've got some stuff to figure out anyway, before you can do any deal like this. So I would prefer to go after one of the back end guys, than, you know, give up the farm for an Edward Cabrera. Micah, go ahead. What are you willing to give up for your desired target? Yeah, I, I think. I think could they could they acquire Cabrera with Rafaela and York and maybe another prospect? Like, could that get the job done rather than having to give up Casas and Duran? Because if you look at the the current state of the the Red Sox. I mean, their outfield, if they lock up Verdugo, I mean, you have Verdugo, Duran and Yoshida. Where does Rafaela sit in that, that group? You know, yes, he is super athletic and I suppose he could change positions, but you have Devers at short. Meyer's going to be at, at, or uh, Devers at third. Meyer's going to be at short. You still have Trevor story at second. It's like, they have a lot of positions that seem to be, locked up or potentially locked up um, for the foreseeable future, which is exciting. But I think it's about picking your moments now and saying we have a hole, which is clearly starting pitching. Um, I mean, maybe you go out and you try to get more an established pitcher because Cabrera is far from established. And maybe Heim Bloom says the only way I'm going to trade a prospect like Rafaela is to get someone who I know is going to slot into the the number two spot. You know, maybe Lucas Giolito is that guy. I don't know. That's a, it's an intriguing arm just because the White Sox are are brutal this year. But I, I wonder if you know 
obviously this trade wouldn't happen right now, but where could this team be with a Cabrera in the rotation? And, you know, you have some more time for Rafaela to develop and York to develop. Maybe the Marlins see those guys as not being too far off. Maybe they are in the beginning of 2023, but come trade deadline or, you know, June, you know, they're closer to the big leagues than they were at the beginning of the year. And maybe you could package those two guys with maybe a, a Walter or Murphy, you give them a starting pitcher that maybe they can find lightning in a bottle is, is giving up three prospects for a Cabrera too much maybe. Um, but I, you have to try to get starting pitching somehow. They've not been able to draft and develop their starting pitching. Uh, maybe Bayo Bayo's that guy, but other than that, they haven't been able to do it. So if you can't do that, you have to try to acquire it via trade and, and I think that they finally have the farm system and the roster construction where they can start to move some of these prospects. Well, real quick, Mike, uh, the, the one thing they kept saying all winter was they wanted major league ready guys. And I think that's why Casas was the big name that was brought up. And you've got an executive in their front office, Kim Ang, first ever um, you know, female general manager of uh, a baseball franchise, and I'm guessing any professional sports franchise. Um, and she's on the hot seat, and they're 19 and 19 right now. That's pretty good. Like that's you know they could they could compete potentially. Um, let's see where they're at. That's in the uh, the very stacked uh, National League East. But, you know, the Mets and the Phillies are each one game under 500. The Phillies could stay under. I mean, they're, we just saw their pitching staff. It's a mess. Um, but the Mets, theoretically, could get better. Justin Verlander, by the way, the guy I wanted this past winter. I knew it was a pipe dream. But uh, seven innings today, only two hits, one earned run, uh, struck out seven. Uh, but um, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be a more painful package than, than what we think. And for I'm still a Cabrera guy. I mean, he's shown me enough that uh, I think there's enough to work with there. Um, you know, he hasn't given up a ton of earned runs. He's given up a ton of walks. I don't have last season up, but he had a, I think he had a sub four ERA. Not a ton of starts, maybe. But... Um, He's still my guy, and I just feel like if you go for one of their back-end guys, and at this point, I think Trevor Rogers might be the ace of the staff outside of Bayo. Um, do you trust Dave Bush to get these guys over the final humps? Because I'm not a Dave Bush guy. Our rotation outside of 2021 has been a middle top 20 rotation. Like we've been bad. We've been really, really bad in the bloom era. And, um, so it's, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot right now. Yeah. I don't know how much I, I trust Dave Bush or not. I, you know, I, I, I'm not out on him, but I don't think that like, if you, you know, take some young pitcher who's been struggling that Dave Bush is going to turn him into Sandy Koufax either. Um, I, I certainly don't believe that. So I, I think, though, you know, what Micah brought up about throwing in one of your pitchers, I think that could help, you know, ease the blow of, of the package you, you send back. Because if you give them, I don't know, you identify a guy that they want. Let's say they want Brian Mata. 
right, then I think you wouldn't have to give up as much, you know, positional wise because the Marlins, that's how they got Luzardo. You know, the, the Oakland Athletics stupidly gave up on Jesus Lazardo because he had a couple of bad starts. They tossed him in the bullpen because they're like, well, you're a bullpen pitcher now. He wasn't good in the bullpen. And the Marlins identified him and said, no, he, he's good. We want him. You can have you can rent Starling Marte for whatever reason the Athletics wanted to do that at the time. And we'll take Lazardo. And now look at him. He's, you know, their second best starter in that rotation. So you have to find a guy that the Marlins identify as, well, maybe you guys have given up on him. Or, you know, yeah, Brian Mata has had command issues with you guys, but we think we can, we can turn him into something. So we'll take Mata and Sedani Rafaela, and we'll give you guys whoever. You know, maybe that's the way they get it done. Because I do think the Marlins are going to want pitching back. I think they're a very pitching-centric team, and I think they, they still believe that they can build a winning team based on five really good starters. So I think you will have to send a pitcher back. It's just a matter of, you know, which one do they want? Um, and you could do it that way instead of having to give up, like, York, Rafaela, and another position player. And all of a sudden you've, you know, taken a big chunk out of your offensive farm system. So that that's what I would do. I think if you're the Marlins, though, I mean, when do they acquire the offense and how do they do that? You know, they're loaded with this pitching. And I'm not saying you you sell low on the on the on your pitching, but their offense has been in the bottom the bottom of the NL every year since they decided to trade Yelich, Stanton, and Ozuna. Like they had an incredible all-star caliber outfield and they just gave it away for players that never became anything. And how do you acquire offense? You know, because they haven't really been able to develop it very well. So, I mean, Terry, you said, yes, they, there is pressure. I agree 100%. There is a lot of pressure in Miami. Um, but no one expected them to make the playoffs this year, especially in that East. And I think if they can, maybe the window is 2024. Rafaela, could he be in the big leagues by 2024? I think so. Um, York, York could absolutely be in the big leagues, you know, by 2024 potentially, you know. So, I, yes, I mean, they, they'd be pushing it, pushing, you know, the down one more year, but. I don't know. How do they acquire offense? They have all these arms and they can't all throw. And I just feel like eventually they have to say, we're going to try to acquire offense because they just, they haven't been able to develop it. Like they, they should based on the, the top level draft picks they've had over the years. I hope the Red Sox make a deal here. I do. And the more years of control, the better for me. I, I have I don't have next year's. Whoops. Dropping stuff off my desk. Um, I don't have next year's uh, free agency up, but it's not loaded with uh, starting pitchers. So um, this could be a good avenue to, to get somebody semi-long-term. Now, here's the bad news. There's another team in our division who we don't like, you know, the New York Yankees. They're going to be really motivated to acquire starting pitching and may perhaps be a better dance partner than we are. 
Uh, the Cardinals, that's another team. If they just don't get it together, that's going to be a team that I think the Marlins are going to be looking at uh, to to maybe find a, an impact bat. I wouldn't rule Steve Cohen out on anything. Um, he'll wheel and deal, uh, you know, if the if the package is right. And I think they did just get back Carrasco, but you never know with Verlander and Scherzer. Like there could be a need before the end of July. I think Scherzer just went on the injured list right now with um, you know a back problem. Another guy that could could come calling to the Marlins for pitching help is Dave Dombrowski in, in Philly. I mean, he's got some bats in that lineup and he's kind of has a need for pitching, especially if he doesn't think Noah is coming back. So I think it's an intriguing team, but I just, I don't know if we're going to be the best dance partners for what, what they're looking for. I hope we are, but. Yeah. And certainly the Mets are, are a scary one because their best, you know, offensive prospects should be in their everyday lineup as we speak. And the Mets just refuse to play him for whatever reason. It's like, like Beatty can not get into the lineup because they're still obsessed with Eduardo Escobar. And it's just, it's ridiculous that they just won't play their prospects. So I could totally see Cohen saying, you know what, go get him, go get more pitching because, you know, Verlander maybe turning it around soon. Scherzer, who knows? But you know we need pitching help, and yeah, we know Dombrowski is willing to to wheel and deal at any point. Um, so the Red Sox will have competition, and that's where I worry about Hyam. You know, being willing to to pull the trigger and and outbid somebody, especially when it comes to bidding with prospects. I think that he might shy away from that, and I could see whoever that Marlins pitcher is that ends up getting dealt, I could see them going somewhere else because whether it's the Mets, the Phillies, the Dodgers are always looking to make a deal at some point. Uh, They still have a lot of prospects too. One of those teams is going to just go overboard. Um, And we saw it at last year's deadline. I mean, teams are getting ridiculous with the prospects are giving up. So I just, I think when it comes down to it, I don't see him doing it. So it, it, especially with all the competition that's going to be out there. And do you see Heim getting into a bidding war with another team over a certain player when it comes to prospects? <laughs> no, not, not what it involves prospects. That's why no. I hate Heim Bloom. <laughs> like nobody, uh, I, I don't know. Charlie might hate him more. And I, I mean, hate in the sports executive sense. Um, one question before we wrap and it's, I, I don't think it's really um, plausible, but would Steve Cohen have the balls to put Pete Alonso in a trade package to get a long-term controllable guy? He would have to make a lateral move to get a first baseman, but that's typically, unless you're the Boston Red Sox, not too hard. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, I would be stunned. And look, Steve Cohen is, um, <laughs> he's a wild card as an owner. You never know with him. But I'd be stunned if he would trade away his franchise player, which, you know, I know Scherzer, Verlander, Lindor, all those guys are there. Pete Alonso is the most loved Mets player 
on that team. I would be stunned if Cohen would be willing to enrage his fan base and probably piss off his team too by trading Alonzo for a young pitcher when, you know, yeah, that solves one problem, but it, it takes away massively from your lineup. So I don't think he would do it. They haven't been able to extend him though. And they did give Nimmo a big deal. So I just, it's his, they're going, Mets fans are going through what we went through last season with Devers, essentially, even though Devers has one more year uh, of control, but Michael, what, what do you think? Does he have the balls or not? I don't think so. I mean, Alonzo's probably a top three offensive first baseman in the game. I mean, he is, he's not just a power hitter anymore like he was when he first came up. Like, he's hitting for a high average. He, he's terrific. And I think he really is the heartbeat of that team. I think if you take him out, I mean, they, they started out really well and they've really hit a skid over the last two weeks. And it's, a lot of it's been the offense. The offense has been really inconsistent, and it's not because of Alonzo. He's still hitting home runs. It's the guys around him, like Lindor. Um, he, he's been scuffling over the last couple of weeks. So I don't see how you trade him and then also convince your fan base, yeah, we're trying to win a World Series this year. To me, that's not a World Series winning move. The, the whole season of the New York Mets is going to come down to is – is Scherzer and Verlander a one and two caliber pitcher? Are they are they as good as they're paying them to be? Because if they're not, I don't even think they make the playoffs. If they are the Scherzer and Verlander that we've seen over the last decade plus, they should be pretty competitive, and I wouldn't want to play them in October. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um, well. On that note, we will wrap up this episode of the Bastards Roundtable. So enjoy the Cardinals series this weekend. Um, I think we all predicted a pretty positive weekend for the Red Sox for this one. So hopefully that pans out. And the weekend crew will have you guys on Monday morning. They will recap everything that takes place against the Cardinals this weekend. So uh, we will see you guys next week. Take care.